Hey everyone, welcome to Up Late with Luxo. I'm one of the co-hosts, Brandon Krish. And I'm Basilea Campo, the other. We're so excited to have you here today for our first ever episode. Brandon, you want to start us off and talk about what our podcast is all about? Sure. Up Late with Luxo is going to be a weekly series where we dive into every single Pixar film in chronological order of release, intercut with exclusive interviews that we've taken with the Pixarians that have brought these magical and innovative films to life. Absolutely. And our first episode, of course, is the legendary Toy Story. And we were so lucky to have Colin Brady on, who was an original animator on Toy Story. And we'll later go on to have some involvements in Toy Story 2 and A Bug's Life. Without further ado, let's take a listen into our analysis and our interview for Toy Story. We really are really happy you're tuning in today to hear our thoughts, our opinions, and our ideas. So I'll get started. Hi, everyone. My name is Basil. Um, I'm the, I guess, the co-host of the, of the podcast with my friend Brandon over here. Um, my favorite Pixar movie is, um, this is a tough one, tough one. It's a really tough one. I'm going to go with Wally. I think Wally is my favorite. I love Wally. Um, I watch it. I could watch it a thousand times over. It's probably my favorite. It sends a good message about humans, yes. you know, and yes. uh, what we can learn from ourselves as humans in this day and age. So my name, my name is Brandon. Hi, my favorite Pixar movie is one of the Toy Stories. Which one? Uh, no, you have one. to choose. I will say Toy Story one today. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then exactly. Toy Story two when we do Toy Story. Toy Story yes. yes. <laughs> my Just favorite movie dating. is whatever we're talking about. Today. Yeah, I feel, but I feel like Toy Story is a little bit of a generic answer. You know, like, no, you would just ask it? random people on the street, like, what's your favorite yeah, but it, it, No, it's but not many people would say, like, I mean, the cool. OG, like, A New Hope or um, yeah. Iron Man 1. There's not many people. So Maybe. I feel like also Toy Story also is just Yeah. A, I'll give you a non-Toy Story one, too. Okay. Monsters, Inc. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best. Oh, that's even more generic. That, is <laughs> it? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> that was the best non-Toy uh, Story uh, Pixar movie. And then Short, right? You didn't say Short. My favorite mm. short would be uh, Partly Cloudy. Yes. It's about the clouds and the storks. <clears throat> That'd be my favorite. Hey guys, my name's Sawyer Stallo from Austin, Texas. You know, mm. yee- yeehaw, shall we say? This um, is a perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, honestly, Woody, right? Um, my favorite Pixar, I would have to agree with Basil. Wally is so awesome. But just to, just to diverse, like, you know. If I didn't have to choose Wally, I'd go Incredibles. It's a great superhero uh, film in general. Uh, yeah, love it, love it. Um, my Pixar short or Spark short. I know Basil and I have some disagreements on what what classifies yeah, as when what. When you have your traditional shorts, when you have these Disney Plus, but yeah, I'll, right. for, the, for time's sake, I'll <laughs> out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we keep keeping Pixar. <laughs> We're gonna keep <laughs> the big time. We're my, wow. My my favorite Spark short would probably be Burrow. I love Burrow. It's super sweet. Has a cute message. So, my name's uh, Calvin. I'm from Maine. Um, I actually, this is kind of cool because I haven't really seen, like, well, I saw some of the Pixar movies when I was younger, but a lot of them I don't really remember. But my favorite one that I do remember is probably Nemo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, short. I haven't really seen many of the shorts either. There's, I, there's so many movies I didn't even yes. see. So. Yeah, yeah. 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 Kinda, like, the whole universe. Yeah, well, to be honest, I'm more like scared. It's like the shark. That's a time for another day because I always like the obscure characters are always like the shark friends. Yeah, no, I I see it. I connect with Bruce on like a spiritual level. All right, well, uh, hi everybody. My name is Hayden Bandies, and I'm also really excited to be here to talk about all these great because, like everyone in the room, I grew up with them and was really, honestly, excited to talk about it and how it kind of influenced my own. Uh, I guess fascination with animation in the first place. 
So my favorite Pixar film is, I'm going to have to uh, agree with my uh, fellow podcaster, uh, Sawyer here, is also um, Wally, but because of the fact that it uses uh, non-existent dialogue throughout its entire runtime, it basically completely focuses on visual uh, style, in which I was, which blew my mind when I was young. My name's Tom, and um, I would say it's going to be very unoriginal of me because I know the instant that um, Basil said his favorite one, I'm like, that's also my favorite one. <laughs> Goes around, Sawyer's the same one, Aiden's the same one, it's Wally. You guys are Wally. There's no surprise. Yeah, I just, that is, that is I haven't seen that movie in so no, long, I like but I think it just holds like a special little place you in like my eat. heart because it's like so nice Eee. you can talk about that all right yeah, I, can't. I will talk about that <laughs> all right <laughs> i will say going to talk about that but um in terms of favorite short i do not i don't really have a short um favorite um but uh from what hayden says i think i'd probably like the chess game maybe maybe float because that was float, your favorite float. one did we watch that Isn't that your favorite yeah one? we did we based a little yeah. bit of a, one of our projects on float yeah. yes oh, yes we can't we can't say that again We'll talk about that. That's confidential. Can you give us a non Wally favorite Pixar movie? A non Wally favorite Pixar yeah. movie? <laughs> Impossible. Bro, I'm, at the yeah. very, I'm at the very end of this. All of them have already been said. Um, I I loved. Uh, is Coco Pixar? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Coco was so good. Like the 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 death scene was pretty. Bay hasn't seen. Hey, spoilers! Come on now. I, I didn't say who died. <laughs> there will be a death. Technically, everyone's dead. It's the land of the dead. What if it's... Oh, did me though? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why am I like anxious to go? The I'm sus like, lord himself. Sus lord himself. What's your favorite movie, Wally? Uh, let me get to my part. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Bay. Uh, I'm 6'3". I have brown hair. Pretty charming. Uh, I'm pretty handsome if any girls want to throw them. No. Hit my phone. Any single um, lady. Any Pixar eager. I'm off single. Any Pixar eager. <laughs> Favorite Toy Story movie? We have to pick Toy Story three. I like Toy Story three. It's the, well, like yeah, but like you know, okay. Pixar is definitely Toy Story three for me. Okay, yeah. it's, it's a classic. That's actually movie. a good one. I, yeah. I haven't seen a lot, and that's what I think too. Like Wally, like when I first saw it, I didn't realize it was Pixar. Like it's so like different, but it's like really good. Yeah, it's like I'm in college, so the end scene really hits. It hits. Yeah. So before we dive into the movie, I thought I'd give you like everyone a history of Toy Story and so um I guess it's best to start off with the director of the film John Lasseter who is he's really really a visionary for you know bringing this new medium to life and not just like bringing it to life you know in like the general sense but also bringing it to life in the sense that it's gone beyond just being the first computer animated movie people care about these characters I think in history media arts and stuff a lot of the things you see is like the first this film and the first that film and it's you appreciate it for the technological advancements but you don't actually care about the movie you know and like we live in a world where toy story is the first computer animated movie and it's just as entertaining as it is technolo technologically sophisticated and groundbreaking and i think that's incredible um but obviously starting off john lasseter he went to school at uh, california institute of the arts which was a school that was founded by walt disney to, um, to train new animators. And so while there, he was trained by the Nine Old Men. They were his teachers. And the Nine Old Men were Walt Disney's nine most prestigious animators. They worked on films like Jungle Book, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi, Lady and the Tramp. Um, and so he was trained there by them. 
and he directed two animated student films, and they both won the Student Academy Award, which was a big deal. And his classmates, this was the first year of the character animation program at CalArts. Some of his classmates included Tim Burton um, and Brad Bird, who would later go on to direct Incredibles and Ratatouille, and John Musker, who would go on to direct um, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Moana, a bunch of other things. And so he was hired along with a lot of those guys to go to Disney. And Disney was always his dream. And once he got to Disney, he realized it wasn't... Well, the place it was now was not the place he grew up wanting to work for. Um, he was working on a bunch of Disney animated films that are, you know, lesser films. Um, like Fox and the Hound and The Black Cauldron. And it was a really creative, stifling... Very stifled creatively time for him. Uh... He was very, uh, it was, it was kind of a very, uh, it wasn't a super innovative place at the time, like, uh, the place that John wanted to work for growing up. And, uh, and as a result, as a result of that, John Lasseter was fired, and he was actually specifically fired for promoting computer animation. He and Glenn Keane, who, uh, is a great Disney animator, it's done Ariel, uh, from Little Mermaid, uh, Beast from Beauty and the Beast, they put together this test that involved um, computer animation and hand-drawn animation of Marisa and Dex, uh, Where the Wild Things Are. The test was very positively received and they kind of got the go-ahead to make the world's first like conjoined hand-drawn animation and computer animated film and it was called The Brave Little Toaster. And John Lasseter was developing it with his good friend Joe Rampt, who would of course come back later to Pixar. And so one day he was pitching it to executives and he was, uh, he was fired actually. For his, uh, for his passion for computer animation. He was fired for it. He ended up going to Lucasfilm, where he met Ed Catmull, who of course became the president and founder of Pixar, who always wanted to be an animator, but uh, he felt like he didn't have the drawing skills to do it, so he went into physics to find another approach to it. And they, uh, they, they obviously got along really well, and they started making animated, a animated short films. And, uh, and those animated short films uh, that they were making were part of, uh, obviously, a spun-off group of Lucasfilm called the Lucasfilm Computer Graphics Division or something. And uh, George Lucas had a really nasty divorce and he needed to sell it. So he sold it to Steve Jobs, who just recently got fired from Apple. And Steve Jobs saw it as a way of being able to make these high-end computers that were specifically made for animation. As you can tell, that's a really niche market and nobody was buying those computers. And so John Lasseter uh, was making these short films to kind of advertise what this computer graphics could do. Uh, Luxo Jr., Tin Toy, Red's Dream. Tin Toy actually became the very first uh, computer animated short film to win the Academy Award. Um, and, and just all these uh, phenomenal short films. And the short films became more uh, impressive than the product they were selling. And so by 1990, they hired uh, two more animators, uh, Andrew Stanton and Pete Docter. And they were all working on these commercials at the time. Um, commercials and short films while still trying to sell this computer, which nobody was buying. And uh, eventually Disney came to them and was like, the short films are amazing. How would you feel about making a feature? And I think Pixar, John was initially hesitant, like a feature was a bit too much for him. Uh, and so he pitched like a Christmas special, like a tin toy Christmas special. And they said, no, just do the feature. You're ready for the feature. And so. Um, John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter, and Joe Rant, who came from Disney, where he'd been working on things like Lion King, Little Mermaid, um, a bunch of stuff. He, and that 
Nightmare Before Christmas, they all got together and they were kind of working on uh, the treatment. And initially it started off based on Tin Toy. It was, the main character was Tinny, the Tin Toy from the short film Tin Toy. Um, and very quickly morphed into Toy Story as we know it today. So now we're jumping over to Colin Brady, who's going to break down his excitement surrounding the fact that he was going to be working on the very first computer animated film. I was seven years old and I saw Star Wars and I was a Star Wars kid. And my dad said I was immediately changed as I walked out of that theater. And I was very fortunate because I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was, this was like second grade, right? And I was like, I want to make these movies. So I think that next year on some television special, they were showing how they do the animation frame by frame, specifically for the, for the hologram set uh, animated by Phil Tippett um, for the first Star Wars movie. <clears throat> and I said to my dad, hey, because at the time we had the Super 8 camera, that's all we had, Super 8, with no sound. But I said, can our camera do that? And my dad said, yeah, I think so. And, uh, and you know, the, the, the movie cassettes were like, you get three and a half minutes. I think I remember it was like, I don't know, it was like $9 to get the movie and then it took a week and like another $11 to get it uh, developed. So, but I learned to do this stop by uh, frame by frame animation and I made little clay characters. And by then I think I was in third grade <clears throat> and I'd bring these movies into my class. This was just outside of Chicago where I grew up, West suburbs of Chicago. And, um, and everyone was blown away. And I, I felt there was like immediate popularity in like, I was like, I was a magician and no one knew what I was, Built how I did this, you know? And, 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 and I think I really fell in love even at that age with just different techniques, like animating a bird flying through the sky. I would do things like make half a bird, stick it on my sister's full length mirror. So it looked like two birds. And then I would use, I'd angle it at a 45 degree angle <clears throat> to use the actual sky and the clouds uh, to be my background. And it, it's quite effective. It looks like a bird flying through the sky, a big, you know, animated monster pterodactyl. And I would just do a lot of techniques like that. So I was, so it was about nine years old that I was really on fire making these things, um, blowing up things with firecrackers. I was a total pyro and uh, I would love to just see the explosions and, and um, still frame, but I had no clue how to get out into the movie industry because no one in my family worked in the arts. And it was kind of a blue collar family, I guess, for the most part, although my father and brother were engineers. And so in high school, uh, I got good grades in math and science. And <clears throat> I, I joke that I sometimes, I mistakenly got good grades because everyone said, you should go into engineering mm -hmm. or you should go into physics uh, or uh, aeronautical engineering. I was interested in space program, um, but I really wanted to get into film. And so I kind of used this as an excuse I got a mechanical engineering scholarship to University of Southern California in Los Angeles. <clears throat> I came out when I was 17. And, um, but I hated, my I hated all my engineering courses, but I was taking animation courses at night. And that was, my plan was to mix engineering and film school. Uh, George Lucas went to school, uh, film school at USC. And so that was, I did have a plan. I didn't realize at the time, you didn't really need an engineering degree to go into visual effects. 
computers were barely in existence. We had an Apple II Plus computer, but no one was really using it for animation yet. But it was at it was at it was at USC in my second year of engineering that I I talked to my animation professor. I said, "This is all I want to do is animation," and he said, "You're going to the wrong school. You should go to California Institute of the Arts, the school that Walt Disney started." And within a week, I dropped all my courses mid semester, a very expensive school. <laughs> and got accepted right on the spot and i was in a phenomenal class at cal arts that was that was 1989 so the guy who created spongebob was in my class or my year and uh, phil tippett who ran spongebob for about 20 years mike mitchell who directed trolls and shrek 4 and lego movie 2 gendy tarnowski who did a uh, Samurai Jack was in my class. Uh, 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 Mark Andrews, who directed Brave, had a story on Iron Giant. Teddy Newton, uh, who's main story guy on Incredibles, Ratatouille. These are just all buddies of mine in, in art school. And so it was really getting into CalArts was like, felt like I kind of made it. Like my teachers were all working for Disney as storyboard artists or character designers. So I really felt like, I felt like I was already in the door. And then it was just a matter of navigating, okay, which path was I going to choose? Uh, Simpsons was just in a couple of years into uh, couple, the second or third season of The Simpsons. Many of my classmates were getting jobs at The Simpsons. And um, Little Mermaid just came out. So it just started this resurgence of, of, of animation at Disney. And uh, Luxo Jr. <laughs> Uh, came out and I was enamored by this computer animation thing and I I knew immediately I wanted to I wanted to work on a first and 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 Pixar was going to make the first computer generated movie ever Toy Story Tin Toy to Toy Story Tin Toy to Toy Story That's so, a cool story. I think it's funny how the I people I know that was very long but I was trying to no, squeeze not at all. The the great job. I think it's yeah. funny that the people who fired John Lasseter end up being yeah. the ones who were going to save him right? and True. provide like the basis for, for for Toy Story, absolutely, absolutely. Also, a really cool fact that I th yeah. I'm, I'm sure some people know is the reason why they did end up choosing Tin Toy and it started to do a toy themed first Pixar film is because everything kind of looked plastic at the time. They didn't really know how to make it look more as realistic as we know today and what they can do. It's their first time making a a form of media that looks like this. So I mean, like you know, of course things are going to be a little bit. You know, yeah. rough around the edges, but it, it, I think for the most part, I mean, they watched it yesterday. It mm -hmm. still holds up. It's great. What were your first impressions of the movie this time around? Right? Anything you noticed differently? Anything that struck you, or just it was the same old? So, do you want to go this way? Or um, yeah. This you want, yeah. Why don't you start? Us, start. You want to start um, us off, Betty? This is. I'm. I'm just like I. I what do you call? It? I'm just a viewer of films. I just mm -hmm. I love enjoying films and just sitting down and you know. I, I don't really know much about animation. That's not really like my forte. Yeah. But uh, so you know, I just watched the story and how the characters, you know, how their facial expressions would change. It's just it's really cool how like you know they can do that at that time. First of all, I think um, because I'm no longer a child, I noticed all of the adult <laughs> jokes that were like littered in. I'm like, I never noticed that was even there to Present. begin with. Um, maybe the Bo Peep scenes. Um, but, oh yeah, one of Sid's toys yes. uh, with the fishing line. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. Um, I uh, <laughs> I think I 
think it mainly like it was it was kind of a very nostalgic experience to look back at it because it's it's like these movies they're so like ingrained in um both my mind and probably a lot of everybody's here's mind um that um it was kind of refreshing to look back at it and be like oh i remember that or mm. i remember um uh, like the animation style even though it wasn't like um as um amazing as animation is right now it still is like it's kind of charming to look at like the, the nostalgia the nostalgia yeah. yeah so again um i've seen it before and actually i saw it in high school but when i was watching it now every time uh i just get filled with nostalgia as mm-hmm. i watched it in my childhood i'm pretty sure everyone here did and it just brings out a lot of memories of like oh wow that was really cool but i use that at that point as just like as an escape i guess it just like take off the other um stresses and stuff like that and molds this world of plastic and uh and leather from uh woody toys and when i recently watched it i actually started to understand uh a lot more of how impressive it was I mean, this was a time before simulation, simulated material, where you could actually just, where there was no internet store you could go to to go buy a texture and then put that onto your model and then that that would be that. Yeah. They didn't have that back then. They had to do everything by hand, and um, everything uh, about that, especially with how they moved and how Woody moved, is different from how Buzz moved because they're both different materials. That is what really drew me into this world and made me go, wow. There is yeah. a lot of copies of this project. Well, so I saw the first two Toy Stories when I was very young, and I don't really. The only scene I really remember was the scene when, like, at the end on like the truck, mm. when they were like moving. And um, but the thing is, like, I saw the other two, like three and four, and I didn't realize like how many of the characters weren't in like the first movie, like Jesse, and like even like Mrs. Potato Head, and stuff like that. And like, I just confused them being there from like the beginning. They felt fit. Yeah, and it was also, like, I was impressed with, like, how many, like, different types of characters they had. Mm -hmm. I thought that made it, like, very interesting. And even though, like, it was animated, they they still had put a lot of, like, attention into the story. And I thought that was really cool. Like, it was actually kind of funny. I missed the scene at first when Buzz was looking at the commercial, and he realized he was a toy, but, like, and he, like, tried jumping and landing on, like, the ground. But, like, when I went back and saw that, I'm like, wow, that's actually, like, that was, that was like a pretty like good moment. Like they really like developed it like, right. really well. And like you said, there's a lot of characters, but they still make variety. Yeah. In- Something that I always uh, that I took away this time watching Toy Story is, it's, it was so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Like you know, we went a little bit in looking at the history of Toy Story and how it was made for, with Pixar, and it's just weird because everyone who talked and including me. Are Gen Z, so we grew up with Toy Story. It wasn't uncommon, and uh, and it was weird to to learn that like people really were fascinated about this being a media form. Like it's just so cool that that wasn't a, it was not a thing. It wasn't a thing before Toy Story, and so it's it's weird how quickly integrated um, animation became into cinema. Like it's just it's cool that they were able to hit it out of the park with the very first official movie from Pixar. And created Toy Story. I think mm-hmm. that was something I took away of like we don't we don't sit here and think about the technical aspects only. We think, talk about Woody and Buzz. We talk about Woody's complex of not being talk dog anymore. We, we it's just it's it's more than just oh look at what it. It's not it's not just for the history of 
Oh, just media how good looking Bo Peep is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's <a fun> story. <laughs> I knew I wanted to work on it. Similarly to like, you look at Star Wars as <clears throat> like maybe the first time they really were using computer controlled, you know, mechanical robotic arms to guide these TIE fighters and X-wings around. And it was kind of taking visual effects to another level. I thought Toy Story is going to be the same thing. And I wanted to do that as well, but they weren't hiring for a couple of years. And so I ended up working on my first film, which was Hocus Pocus. I did a talking cat in the live action movie, Hocus Pocus. Um, and I was working for Raymond Hughes. I was about 21 years old working in Hollywood at the night shift. Computers in those days were so expensive. They all were about $80,000. So they had to run two shifts. <clears throat> I worked every night from four till midnight. And, um, and I, I learned everything that I needed to learn on the job. Uh, modeling, rigging, computer animation, and compositing even. So it was a real kind of baptism by fire. And then finally, after that first year, Pixar was hiring. Uh, and I was hired to be the first wave of animators on Toy Story. We knew we were doing something new. The army men were phenomenal. Uh, that was our very first scene we worked on. But they were still figuring the rest of the story out. So it's always good to start with a scene that is either an action scene or a scene that can still survive if the rest of the story changes. So the army men were very slow models to animate and very tedious um, and would break a lot. A guy next to me named Bud Lucky was a famous um, uh, animator through the years. All, so, many, so many memorable Sesame Street cartoons were animated and, and voiced by Bud Lucky. He later did a lot of voices in his Pixar movies, but he was more of an old school guy. And he would always say, I could whittle this damn thing faster than, than using the computer. And so it was kind of true. It was almost like whittling. It was almost like carving out the army men frame by frame a little bit. Um, I did one shot of the army men sliding down a rope or actually holding a rope before I did a couple of shots in there, but just them holding the rope it took me three weeks to do less than a second of animation. I think it's also interesting that this is not a musical. True. And the movies that were coming out during this time, the animated movies, like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, all great movies. But it started to kind of become like, oh, it's, they're mute. You know, it's a like, trope, it, it's too yeah. much of like one thing. It's like, it's not taking full advantage of the medium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is interesting because it's almost more like, uh, it's more like Simpsons in mm. some way, where it's like, there's a joke a minute. Yeah. Right. Or like, and there's some jokes, even, even when I was watching, it was like, wow, they're just flying fast. It's, it's always you know, something. On there was screen. always a yeah. joke that was happening. And I think that that's, uh, that's amazing. Obviously my thoughts on the movie is that it's an amazing movie. I think everybody yeah. at the table, <laughs> everybody at the table agrees that it's, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love yes. that you put that brand in there. Like, I think if, if Toy Story was a musical, it wouldn't have Pixar wouldn't have the success they have today. I think it would have been seen more as a computer animated film well, that happened to be a musical. I don't want to go on a tangent here, hilarious. but a little story. Go uh, ahead. Let's, yeah. let's tangent on uh, ourselves. We'll, uh, well, I'm gonna get in the creative team before we before we before we get started. But Andrew Stanton, he was the writer of this movie, and he uh, he also directed Nemo and Wally later. He said, in our earliest days at Pixar, before we truly understood the invisible workings of story, we were simply a group of guys just going on our gut, going on our instincts. And it's interesting to see how that led us places that were actually pretty good. You got to remember that in this time of year, uh, 1993, what was considered a successful animated picture was 
uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. So when we pitched Toy Story to Tom Hanks for the first time, he walked in and he said, you don't want me to sing, do you? And I thought that epitomized perfectly what everybody thought animation had to be at the time. But we really wanted to prove that you could tell stories completely different in animation. So we didn't have any influence then, so we had a little secret list of rules that we kept to ourselves, and they were no songs, <laughs> no I want moment, no happy village, <laughs> no love story. And the irony is that in the first year, our story was not working at all, and Disney was panicking. So they privately got advice from a famous lyricist who I won't name, and he faxed them some suggestions, and we got a hold of that fax. And the fax said there should be songs, there should be an I want song, there should be a happy village song, there should be a love story, and there should be a villain. And thank goodness we were just too young, rebellious, and contrarian, at the time, that just gave us more determination to prove that you could build a better story. Thank uh, God. Yeah. I think we <laughs> want to get in the movie now. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Before we get in the movie, though, just to, just to say like how, how this did start Pixar, uh, I mean, and also, we're going to mention these people's names, and I think the audience should know. Do you want to, do, uh, you want to give like a little rundown? Yeah, I'm going to give can... a little rundown. Well, jo yeah. uh, John Lasseter, director, writer, would go on to direct and write Cars, Toy Story 2, Bugs Life uh, would be the creative head of Pixar for many, many years. Uh, and would later go on to Disney Animation Studios. Yeah, he'd later go on to Disney CEO. Animation and kind of revitalize it with Frozen and Zootopia and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Pete Docter, he was uh, one of the writers and he was the supervising animator. He went on to direct, uh, he went on to write a couple more Toy Story films, but he went on to direct Monsters, Inc., Up. Inside Out and Soul. He had an okay career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to see the man one second. Not bad. Yeah. One second, yeah. I was about to say that. Uh, Andrew Stanton, the writer and storyboard artist, he went on to uh, write all four Toy Story movies, write Monsters, Inc., and direct Finding Nemo, Wally, and Finding Dory. Mm -hmm. uh, Lee Unkrich, he was the editor. He went on to co-direct Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and direct Toy Story 3 and Coco. And then, uh, finally, uh, Joe Ramped, who uh, was the head of story on this movie. He went on to do that on Bugs Life, Toy Story 2. He was the voice of Heimlich, the Caterpillar, in Bugs Life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he also contributed to Nightmare Before Christmas, which is not a Pixar movie, and Lion King. Love that movie. Oh, yeah, great Love movie. It. A bunch of stuff. And his final, uh, he, he passed away. Uh, he was the co-director of Cars, and he mm -hmm. passed away a couple months before And he voiced Cars. Red. Before Cars came out, he uh, passed away in an accident. I, I think we should start by talking about the narrative of the story. I think the movie is just, I like yes, it's an animated movie. Yes, it's computer, but really, it's the story that I think sets it apart um, from from others at the time, without a doubt. Um, the, Andrew Stanton, who, who Brandon mentioned, is the uh, the writer of it. I think just did a fantastic job. Like he really had a hit on his hands, and of course, he later goes on to do have a really incredible career. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the story is is really impactful. If someone wants to take that. And, Run with it. What did what y'all think of the story? I, think? Okay, I want to talk about yeah. it because um, there's something that Toy Story does so well that you don't even notice, and it's exposition. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so impressive how they can... Would you like you me to pull up the scene? You, um, and in a second. Okay. I don't know what scene you're I, thinking of, but I... I, I think we're on the same wave. We're on the same wave, like... But um, I, I think it's really interesting because... It, the way they do it with animation is like you have to plan it out 
for like weeks, months, just how uh, a few seconds is going to work. So um, for an animated movie like this, you have to do exposition like perfectly. And the way they do it is just, it's so fluid, it's so natural. It's the, the camera runs around, you understand each and every one of the toys, even though they have really small roles in the story. You understand their personality, you understand how they move or walk. Like, um, every one of them walks differently. Right. That too. That's, uh, different walking. I think it's awesome how, like, in the opening, uh, we, we'll, we'll, we can show it later, but uh, but in the opening, like, it's very quickly, they, uh, you meet Ham, Potato Head, Rex, all those characters you're going to follow for all these other movies, and you meet them in, like, two, two minutes, seconds, two minutes yeah. Yeah. and you know who they are, you know what their deal is, and then during that staff meeting scene, which I think is kind of like where the exposition is hidden. Come on, guys, every Christmas and birthday we go through this. But what if he gets another dinosaur? A mean one. I just don't think I can take that kind of rejection. Hey, listen, no one's getting replaced. This is Andy we're talking about. It doesn't matter how much we're played with. What matters is that we're here for Andy when he needs us. That's what we're made for, right? Pardon me. I hate to break up the staff meeting, but they're here! Birthday guests and Club! It doesn't feel like exposition like mm -hmm. you would in a Marvel movie or anything. It's yeah. kind of, it's disguised as just like natural part of the story. He's going over like, uh, you know, they're going to be moving, right? You need to get a moving buddy. So we know that that's a big factor of the story. Uh, and we learn about more of the toys world because what is it like? Right. The plastic corrosion awareness meeting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the then, hall. and then you know what the conflict is going to be right. because it's like replaced. Is somebody going to get replaced? And then like that's you know? in like two minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's all in two minutes. I, I, I think it's easy to forget the movie's only 81 minutes. Right. The movie's yeah. very it's quick. quick. It's short, a lot yeah. happens in a little bit amount of time, but you all, like, like Brandon said, you already know the characters. You already know what's going to happen in such a short amount of time, and that's incredible, right, to pack that much. And of course, I mean, I think computer animation was so tough that you couldn't make a, you know, three and a half hour epic. Right. <laughs> You know, as your first as your first go around, something short that would keep audiences waiting for more, I think, was really was really right. great. It was a good, it was a good move. And, and another cool thing is like, with with it being so quick, they're able to introduce like it. it they make a civilization of toys normal, which is <laughs> which is kind of cool. You know, like, like it makes you think your toys are alive, <laughs> right talking like, like this exactly. Right, yeah. you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. They're all on like in the boxes, and they're all like in the stand areas. It's, it's just like. Of course, the army guys would be yeah. the the soldiers, lieutenants. Well, they're written like adults, exactly. which I, I think I is the key. What are our thoughts on Woody as a character? Because I think the he's goat. probably the most complex yeah. character they, in they any of the protagonists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd say that out of everything that we've seen so far, um, just between all the other characters, he's the most uh, put together one in the start, as we start off with him, and then as of course in the the overall story buzz comes in and basically tears that world apart and then he has to pick up the fragments and then try to create a new world for him to try and become again well, it's also the first time he's put to the test you know like yeah. he has it all figured out he's telling the other toys as the leader what to do during the move-in but this is the first time where he's kind of met with an equal and at first he doesn't um accept that but i think like during the scene of where Buzz kind of proves that he can quote unquote fly by doing the cool yeah. loop de loop jump up into. He kind of realized that and he's like, oh boy, we got a new new sheriff in town, a yeah. space ranger in this yeah, case. Yeah. I, <laughs> I forgot who brought it up, 
but after watching the movie, um, one of us brought up um, uh, that that the thing is with Woody, like he's a protagonist and he does evil things mm-hmm. sometimes. Like oh yeah, this was me. This yeah, was you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you brought it up because um, pretty much Woody does things that like are mean and in retrospect and you're looking at him like you shouldn't do that yeah, you shouldn't do right. that but you understand why, why you do that totally right? yeah it's all yeah. for andy you understand his uh motivations yeah. behind all of that even though he's like a scumbag it was funny you mentioned these evil things i think something that i think many people don't know is that pixar went well, Toy Story went, through, went through many rewrites in right. fact there's one called the black friday reel um you want me to pull it up uh you can if you'd like i, I don't know if it's, if it's all that necessary but basically disney was had some suggestions for Pixar, uh, and basically said, so we want the movie to be more edgy. We kind of want like a, a different perspective to it. Emo Woody. Exactly. Yeah, and so and so Pixar came up with, the, with this idea of having, in a way, Woody being kind an of asshole. an asshole. Yeah. And it's people watched it and were like, no, this does, this does not work. But basically, it's the scene where we, we know in the scene in the movie as um, Buzz falling out the window was actually like Woody throwing Buzz out the window. Right. right in Toy Story today, it's kind of like an act. It is an it's accident. A, it's an accident. It's an accident. But you know, it the original Black Friday I think focused more on like Woody having his own goals and having basically what he Mid- wanted. Malicious and- intent. Woody, ah, ah, I just like to wish you luck. I I I know you'd do the same for me. Oh yeah yeah oh yeah there you go. There. Yeah. Whoa! It's definitely a different direction for the movie. I, I think something that I noticed right away was that Slinky is seen as a dog, not as equals with the rest of the toys. Right. It, it seems like he's just like a... He's standing at the foot a of servant. Exactly, the foot of that everybody else is on top. Yeah, I feel like that was one thing I immediately noticed. But what, like... I gotta say, like, right? if they included that in the film, Woody would not be my favorite. I, re- I hate Woody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he'd be in a little... Because like I get you want to do for Andy, right? But there's a certain extent. Yeah. Well, I think I think what uh, Andrew Stanton ended up not Andrew, not just him. The group of them went back and they reboarded it like very very quickly, and then they sent it into Disney, and Disney's like, okay, this is this is fine because Disney recommended all these things, the executives, and then they ended up hating it because it played <laughs> awful. And then I think somebody like Roy E. Disney was it Roy E. Disney. He was in the screening with Jeffrey Katzenberg, who, oh, yeah, was, who ended up founding DreamWorks, and he was the one who was pushing Pixar to make it edgy, make it edgy. And he's like, how did this turn off terrible? And Ryan Disney's like, because you made them make the movie they didn't want to make. Yeah. You so, know, like, it's like, uh, and Andrew Stanton in his TED Talk, which we can intercut if we want to. If we feel, yeah. Yeah, he said, how do you make a selfish character likable? We realized, well, you can make him kind, generous, funny, considerate, as long as one condition is met for him is that he stays the top toy. And that's what it really is, is that we all live life conditionally. We're all willing to play by the rules and follow things along as long as certain conditions are met. After that, all bets are off. I think if they kept that one of like Woody being the ruler of Andy's toys, it wouldn't have hit the same way. Because I mean, well, I think Woody is still the ruler. It's oh, just, for sure. It's, 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 favorite. Exactly, and just he has, I think he has more compassion for them, and it's like, okay, and they have compassion for him. Yeah, he has yeah, a high exactly. approval rating as a leader. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's very exactly. Hard. But then uh, we were all, the story was put on pause while they rewrote the story to make Woody's character more likable. But then when we got into it, <clears throat> it was cool, but I'll never forget the very first animation of, of the character in motion was Slinky Dog. And you know, he's got a very simple face. His face is like a 
sphere in a cone. And someone just did a quick computer render and it was well animated. But I remember my very first thought was, oh no, this is gonna look like one of those Rankin Bass Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> and, and I thought, uh, well, it's still fun, but this thing looks really simple and too simple. Um, but then I think it was, it was maybe Mark Oftedal, who was one of our early animators, and, and, and certainly Pete Docter was our directing animator. And Mark Oftedal did such a, did, did I think a, a walk of Woody just walking in a walk site. And it was, it was so organic and incredible with really floppy arms and overlapping action, you know, a lot of like beautiful arcs, um, figure eights in the walk. And you can just turn the thing from any angle. And I was like, wow, that's beautiful animation that works from every angle. And, and, and so I think it became, <clears throat> it became kind of a little bit of a fun competition between us. You know, no matter what, uh, we were really animating to impress our friends. And, and the producer would, even the director, if the schedule said the shot's due on Friday and we mostly hit all your notes, the shot would be finaled. But that wasn't good enough. I think my, my goal was always, I wanted to see the, the light spark in my friend's eyes when, I, when you'd show them a shot for the first time. And that was really, I think, at least what drove me was the, you know, the, the, the acceptance of my peer group, you know, to be truly trying to be in that upper echelon of great animators. Yeah, and also I think Woody is the most, Woody is the most uh, interesting character in this movie. And I think at the time for an animated movie that was less, uh, like Lion King, Aladdin, great, amazing movies, but Simba is not the most interesting character in this movie. He's I more so, yeah. yeah. I, and, and Genie, I mean, Genie is the most like interesting, interesting character in Aladdin, not Aladdin. Not Aladdin right? himself. Yeah, and so, they're all great like, movies. But. I kind of want to build off of that. I think um, Toy Story definitely changed the game when it came to like animated stories because with things with like Lion King and things with Aladdin, those characters, like the main protagonists, they were just hosts for the for audience. For the audience. To, yeah. They're supposed like, to be experience us. It. Yeah. Simba, I don't remember anything Simba did in Lion Personality King. traits. Really? Not she, really? They're just well, kind of a, a lion for the... I think... Yeah. yeah, both but me and me and Bay's favorite Disney uh, animated film is Lion King, Mind but I cannot agree more with what what Tom said because it's like he, he doesn't have a personality. He is a. Simba? I don't think so. I think he he goes through character arcs and character changes, but you can't tell me that oh he eats a lot of like bugs. Like is is not your favorite character exactly. It's not gonna you know. He's a lot of character like development though. He has yeah. a storyline. He has a personality. He goes from like a little, like kind of like an Anakin person. I'll do this. I want to do that. You know, I'm I'm the king's son. I can do whatever I want. I think our point though is that Aladdin and Simba are supposed to be um, both supposed to be filtered in for the audience. Like they're supposed to be representing the audience. While while Woody Woody is literally himself. There 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 isn't. Yeah. You can you can relate to Woody. Of man, this is how it is when I manage my work workspace. But it's it's something that you can you can see a little bit of, but Woody is a defined character in this world. And right? that's yeah. I love how, especially with this this segment of them trying to catch up, like you think the movie's over once Sid like runs away and then they're back, and then you're like, oh wait, no, it's not over. We still have fifteen minutes left. Let's watch them chase after a truck. It doesn't feel added on, but it just is. Yeah, it's really cool. It's natural. 
during during this scene when he's like the a character who just never gives up. He needs to be loyal. He's like the most loyal person ever. Loyalist boy ever. As a cowboy should be. As a cowboy should be. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. you can see through the scene like he keeps buddy the buzz going. Like when you know things seem to be going wrong. He's right. Like, no, we gotta keep on going. We gotta keep on going. And there's one part um, when they're chasing a car, and you know, he finally gets up. And then Buzz is the one who, it, yeah, yeah, he's the one who keeps him going. Yeah, yeah, exactly, absolutely. Well, yeah. I think something we see in this is is the how I'm sure how long it took to animate this. Mm. And so I think our next section is talking about just animation. And and frankly, I, the um, the different settings that take place in this movie, I think, are great. Is there a favorite like spot spot in the movie that has a good animation scene or? thing that you noticed, like, for example, like, I love the um, the uh, green men trying to put the walkie-talkie into the plant. Like, that took, I'm sure, took forever to animate, and having those little green guys move, but are also, yet, at the same time, moving very methodically because they're stations in the ground. Colin, Colin, the guy we, we interviewed, yeah. he mentioned that that was the very first thing animated, right. was, the, uh, was the green mm-hmm. army man sequence. And, and you can show the that, attention to detail. You can show the Absolutely. attention to so creative yeah. it's like everything has been like planned you know so like intricately um i also was trying to say that the person that uh played the army man ronald lee ermy may he rest in peace was uh the voice of the drills of voice of uh the main the i guess leader of the yeah. troops and was and a also, sergeant himself yeah and was actually really? a real sergeant and wow, a pretty. uh and for those people who love films from all the way back, uh, the drill instructor of Cold Army. That is method acting. That's fine. I think what's what's really cool is they um, reuse, you know, for the scene of Andy's friends coming for his birthday, they reuse Andy. Andy. It's just Andy rendered four different times. Exactly. For most of these guys, this was their first movie. Yeah. Right. And ever. Yeah, ever. <laughs> so that... That to me is like Scary. insane because yeah. it's just like. And then wow, to see that those that. people still had happen. success 25 years later is incredible. Like they were still making Toy Story, they were still writing at a. The majority of this movie takes place in like two places Andy's bedroom, Sid's bedroom with the little middle part a in Pizza, Pizza Planet, Planet and yep. the gas station. Crazy. And I think that's awesome. I mean, I, I did. There was a major breakthrough where I was animating a shot and the art director said, you know, that shot would be stronger if the camera was lower. Let's try that. I was like, are we allowed to do that? He's like, well, if you're with me, you are. And so we we played. So it was the first time I realized that, oh, animation isn't just about animating a character. It's it's how it animates in the frame of the scene. The negative space is just as important as the yeah. positive space. And so so I, I occasionally help out with some staging of, of camera angle to improve a shot, but I had nothing to do with design. Yeah. So I would say. I put in two scenes and they're both Doug Sweetland. Doug Sweetland, who directed Presto, did two of my favorite <laughs> scenes. And, and so we're, I'm, I'm trying to drag, I'm trying to drag him into the studio and work here. Um, it was, it was a scene where I had just finished animating a scene that I was proud of, of, of Woody flirting with Bo Peep, but I actually did the entire thing. And, and he's, and I act the whole, you know, I acted everything out and she flirts back and he flirts back and he's all shy. And I was pretty proud of it for the most part. And, uh, and then I did a couple of shots of Woody walking and they were okay. But then Doug did the scene of Etch-A-Sketch walking by him and he said, and, and Woody says, hey Etch, draw. And he turns around and then Etch goes, draws a gun. And then Woody goes, oh, you got me again. Nice, nice shooting there partner or something like that. But particularly that shot, every frame is perfect. 
because starting with the hips, it all starts with the hips. You look at Woody's belt, he animated Woody in such a fluid way and he, and he blocked out the scene first, just like Woody's stiff. Start with the hips and the whole thing is just like blocking out and it was even just, just hips alone, just XY translations, rotations of the whole object was a thing of beauty because it had fluidity, contrast, that's exactly what it was. It was, it was smoothness and then, and then it was a, a vertical. And so there was poetry, even in how the hips move. But then you add on top of that, and he's got this wonderful figure eights going with his hand <laughs> and the other hand, and then, then and a great expression on his face when he's done. And that was the first shot that I thought, oh my goodness, I've just been humbled. That's, that's, that yeah. just beat my pants off that shot. And I gotta, <clears throat> I gotta learn to animate like that. And eventually I got good. Um, and then I, I mean, I got better. I think my favorite shot when I finally hit my stride was when he's hanging on at the end, take care of Andy for me. He's hanging on the, the strap of a moving truck. And I finally got a little bit on that level. Woody's body is a, is a, is a diagonal and his arm and his leg do this uh, S curves, floppy things, yeah. let's go. And that was the first time that I felt like I tapped into that level of good animation. Well, well, speaking yeah. of characters, I think it's time we talk about characters. Yeah, yeah. Let's move. So I have to, of course, uh, the age of the age old question: What are your buzz? What do you think? Sure. We'll come back to you in a second. Buzz. Buzz. Why Tom? Why my my buzz? I think he's really charming. I just like. Him. <laughs> he I, I, I think funny. like especially like him. I, it's it's so much funnier when you realize in Toy Story 2, he used to act like this and it like shows you the oh, back of it, God. but that's another thing. Yeah. Like, I think he's just so um, like serious about what right. he's talking about. He's like, Star Command, <laughs> come in. And he's just right. like pressing a plastic button. Right. It's so funny to see um, him just kind of be blissfully unaware right. of his existence. And yeah. if you look at it from his perspective, you know, we look at it from Woody's perspective, but if you look at it from from Buzz, he's like, why are these idiots? He genuinely thinks. Yeah, why yeah, are these yeah, idiots yeah. trying to stop? I'm trying to save the like world you, here. You, yeah, and you guys you, kind yeah, of like, and then I love, being so polite about it, right? Exactly. I love how he convinces like all the toys. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Woody. That, like, he is like, no. that guy. <laughs> yeah. He is that guy. Yeah. What do you think, Aiden? What are your buzz? I'd probably say, honestly, I'm going to have to go with, uh, I think Woody's the better character, but I personally like Buzz um, a little bit more. Just because of the fact that he has an existential crisis in this film, but how they play it off generates so much comedy that sets him up from this point onward to just constantly deal with like ridiculous situations yeah. that are completely out of his control. And um, Spanish can... mode. Yes. <laughs> Spanish yes. mode. And that, that thing, like story, story, Toy Story 2. When he has to deal with his own version of counterpart, yeah. he actually hate, he actually kind of hates, hates that, himself, hates maybe. himself yeah. for that because he's like, was I really this naive? Is this, this actually what I sound like? So I feel like on that level, it just shows a level of reflection for him, and the fact that he kind of full circles at one point, and he just, he just, he just, I really love him as a character because I relate a lot to him. I feel like also on that level, um, it's. All of the storylines that Buzz gets are just funny and stupid. Like yeah, he gets, he gets thinking he's a star commander or whatever, and then the second <laughs> one he finds himself and has to deal with it, like yeah. battle himself in an elevator, and the third one he's just Spanish. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's and the, the fourth problem. one is inner, 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 uh, inner voice. Inner, inner voice. voice. Yeah. 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 All right, uh, tell us what did you think? What are your buzz? 
so much for listening to our first episode of Up Late with Luxa. We hope you enjoyed our analysis and interview with Colin Brady for Pixar's very first movie, Toy Story. We're really proud of this episode and we hope you are too. Don't forget to share Up Late with Luxa with friends and family. You can hit that share button anywhere you listen to our podcast. Uh, next week we're returning with A Bug's Life. Uh, Colin will return for an interview. We're really excited to have him back on the show. 
Um, but until then, we'll leave you with John Lasseter talking about Toy Story and to, to infinity, infinity and beyond. When we started Toy Story, I think the big goal for us was to do a character movie, was to have a film that had a good story, but characters that you could just really memorable and you feel for that would make you laugh, to have the main characters funny, not just the comic sidekicks, but also that, that you really felt for and had a lot of heart. And that was a thing that we started out with from the beginning. I knew that this film would look different than anything anybody had seen, but it was to, to just sweep them away with, with great story and characters. I'm really proud of that. Up Late with Luxo, produced at Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts. Emerson College, expression necessary to evolution. All excerpts, videos, and recordings, copyright in their respective years from their respective owners. Special thanks to Colin Brady, Tom Hogan, Faye Slavic, Sawyer Stallo, Hayden Bandys, and Calvin Soares. Up Late with Luxo, copyright 2021, Krish and Iacampo Ventures. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.